Welcome back to the Line Mother Flippin' Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. This is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts on all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. Today's gorgeous conversation is round two with my good friend Patrick McEwen, tremendous human being, one of the smartest people that I've come across in the realm of breathing mechanics, how to breathe more effectively, and um, how to derive best results from respiration. His most impactful book his most popular book is referred to as the oxygen advantage he is a teacher of the buteco method and he is one of the primary leaders in the conversation of how and why to nose breathe and also the issue with over breathing which is a, a common thing in western culture so this conversation was excellent um i really enjoy getting to talk with patrick because his mind is just it works really well and i really enjoy getting to dig in and ask some of the burning questions that i've had over the months and years about breathing so i think you guys are going to devour this conversation i want to thank you guys for leaving reviews on the podcast and apple podcasts i'll read a review let me read one all right this one comes from Moe me myself. Moe? Moe? Moe me myself? I'm not sure. Life changed. Five stars. My view on the body was changed forever when last year a mentor had me listen to the podcast on the lymphatic system, breath, and cold therapy. I can't say enough good things about how that podcast changed my view on my entire system and helps me daily to heal my body, but I am forever thankful for this inspiration. Now I just came back for what's new and what my body and mind can gain from experts in health. Thank you. Literally only one or two podcasts I listen to. So thanks so much for kind messages like that. It really is quite meaningful. I do genuinely read all of them and it is a fantastic gesture to support this podcast. And it's just nice. I think we're ready to go. I hope you guys devour this conversation. I hope it informs your alveoli. I hope it expands your respiratory capacity and I hope it raises your bolt score you will find out what that means in this conversation all right here we go. Pow. how have you been how is life how are let's go darren how are you through the pandemic or the lockdowns or whatever your preference is to to call it yeah i think it was one of the best things that happened to me to be honest with you and i understand that it's not going to be that way for everybody no travel it's been brilliant yeah now Unfortunately, I say that it kicks off again next week, but having a year and a half staying at home, staying with family, not running from airport to airport, it's great. I could do with this, you know, unfortunately, we're slipping back into old ways. In which ways? As far as like shutting down things or which way? Well, travel is coming back. Yeah, you know, I thought that Zoom would take over, that we wouldn't have to be doing face to face, etc., and it seems it's only temporary. Yeah. So, yeah, it was nice to get that reset for a year and a half. Yeah, it'll be tough to convince people to stop seeing each other in person, thankfully, in my opinion. Yeah. But, you know, maybe not everybody doesn't share that. Something that was interesting in relation to what's been happening in the world with COVID, particularly, is the, the conversation around breathing. You know, it's, it's, a, it's affecting people at a respiratory level, obviously, other levels, neurological, there's various different different happenings with it but no nitric oxide the production thereof um, by breathing through the nose and then also your respiratory capacity activating the diaphragm creating space to be able to actually you know move the air into your lungs it's 
really impressive to me that that's not a primary conversation. Is that something that's been like irking you or what are your thoughts on that? Oh no, it hasn't come on the radar at all. <laughs> it's all about washing hands and, and breathing using a mask. And there's no mention whatsoever about breathing through the nose. And yet there's clinical trials looking at interventions such as inhaled nitric oxide. Right. Because nitric oxide is naturally antiviral. And the other thing about this is working with people with long COVID, it's true breathing exercise that we can help to stimulate the vagus nerve to bring a balance in the autonomic nervous system. And some of these people are in a dreadful state, you know, so yeah, no mention of breathing whatsoever. Great times ahead. What would you recommend? What's like the baseline principles, fundamentals of breathing correctly in particular for to boost one's immune response and also to boost one's respiratory capacity and increase NO and why does NO matter in the first place? I know that's a, a compilation of lots of questions, but I think it's all around the same thread. Yeah, I'd start with sleep. Mm. I think it's very important that we're getting deep, deep sleep, that we're not suffering from obstructive sleep apnea, upper airway resistance syndrome, etc. And for sleep, it really starts with nasal breathing. It also helps with recovery. So using breathing exercises to get a balance in the autonomic nervous system, because the people who have been, it seems the people who have been affected most by COVID typically are females and aged between say 30 and 50 years of age, but females that have seen to be an increased sympathetic drive, go, 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 go. And I don't think that we can survive in that in the long term. Eventually it catches up on us. So using breathing exercises in and out through the nose is very important because nose, of course, is antiviral breathing by harnessing nasal nitric oxide. And there was a paper written on this in microbes and infection. And the researcher spoke about taping them out at night. And I said, I'm just reading it. And I said, I had to do a double take on it because that's something that we've been doing for 20 years. Nose breathing, light breathing, improving blood circulation, improving oxygen delivery, slow breathing to target the autonomic nervous system and low breathing to improve amplitude of the diaphragm and especially as well if somebody is infected that if you can breathe no slow and low you help to clear fluid build up in the lungs you help gas exchange take place from the lungs into the blood you help stimulate the vagus nerve and all these are very important not just for covid but just for life in general i think aaron it's about changing states as well you know as we go about our everyday activity and we were talking about dr rang and chatterjee's podcast I was listening to, he was interviewing a brain surgeon back in May of this year. And the brain surgeon, I quote, he said, when I get into a tricky situation, the first thing I do is prevent myself from hyperventilating. So you can imagine a brain surgeon. And if a brain surgeon gets into a tricky situation, that's a pretty tricky situation. You've got somebody lying down in front of you, their skull is open and you're peering into their brain. And I don't think you can get much trickier than that, regardless of the training, because of course you've got somebody's life in their hands. But he remains calm and composed by changing his breathing patterns or by preventing himself from hyperventilating. Because normally when an individual gets into a tricky situation, we automatically respond with fast and hard breathing. But when we breathe fast and hard, the brain interprets that the body is under threat and the brain wants to get the body out of there. Individuals don't know this information. They don't know the school kid, the university student, the corporate worker. They have never been trained or taught or educated in how to deal with stress from a breathing point of view. And I think it's very important to do that as well. You have a really beautiful way of drawing seemingly disparate connections of you know, physiological states with mental emotional states, which obviously they're not disparate at all. It's all 
interconnected, as I think most people kind of gathered. But it's really beautiful the way that you connect these simple toggles that every human body has within themselves. It could be, you know, breathing is an obvious one. There's also maybe vision. There's also uh, just the way that our environment affects us, uh, smells, touch. You know, there's so many different senses that are informing the way that we produce ourselves at a physiological level, a cellular level, and also at a mental, emotional level. I'd be curious, I've heard you use the term mind um, many times. I'd be curious, do you have yourself a working definition of the term mind? Yeah, it's an interesting question. That I don't know. That mind can cause a lot of grief and a lot of issues. And do we have control over the mind if we have poor control over breathing patterns? I suppose when it comes to the mind, I like to be able to direct my attention to where I want to direct it upon. I spent 20 plus years living in my head, ruminating, drowning in thoughts, not being able to fix my attention on what I wanted to fix it upon. And it makes getting through school pretty damn hard. And it also, when you are confronted with that difficult situation, when you're stuck in your head, you're not in the best position to deal with it. And just in life in general, the more we are trapped in thought, we miss a lot. And when we start stepping outside of the mind and using the breath as an anchor, but it's not just about following the breath either. It's not just about paying attention to breathing. It's about changing the respiratory physiology. It's about improving sleep because I don't think we will be able to achieve a calmness of the mind and to bring gaps between thoughts unless we have deep sleep, because there's a fundamental difference between waking up after a lousy night's sleep and waking up after a beautiful deep sleep. And when you wake up after that beautiful deep sleep and you're feeling so refreshed, you're like Superman. You can start the day and the mind is naturally calmer. So in terms of flow states, that coveted state whereby the mind is in a state of relaxation and alertness at the same time, where quality work gets done, whereby we have 100% of our attention on the task at hand. We need deep sleep. We need functional breathing. And we also need to be aware that the mind is an instrument and it can be a friend or a foe. And even though Western education has trained the mind how to think, Western education has fallen short because it has not given us the tools to learn how to stop thinking. And many people, we are at the mercy of our own minds and we don't even know the impact it's having on our quality of life. There's a couple of things that I think is interesting. One, I was listening to a thing with Alan Watts recently and he was talking about the idea that there's a separation between our minds or eyes you know the the eye the thing that you know wants to be a better person and they want to be a better he was saying like a better yogi or you know any of that stuff and wanting to be something outside of yourself you know i am here i want to be there what he's suggesting which makes a lot of sense in my mind you're creating a gap you're you're like reinforcing the space of you being separate from the thing and you being separate from your environment you know, and so something that doing a, I did a podcast with Bruce Lipton, the biology of belief guy, a couple of years ago, and something that I I've continually have been regurgitating from him is if you want to change a a cell, you know, or something in, in a in a in a culture, in a petri dish, if you want to change the cell, you don't do anything to the cell specifically. You change the the culture that it exists in. You change the environment. And so I wonder, from your perspective, I know there's you know Weston A. Price and you know various different people in the past we, we talked about last time like the shut your mouth save your life book and you know people have been talking about these shifts 
from our ancestors, how they had these perfectly formed jaw lines and you know, there wasn't so much malocclusion and all these issues that are so common today. Do you feel like you have a sense of the kind of the timeline of like what happened and within that, how our, how our culture and how our environments change to, to form our respiratory patterns, our breathing patterns, our, our tongue posture and all these specifics? You know, so what happened and is there something that we can do at an environmental level to create the change? Or is it more like technique-based to create the change? Or do you do the techniques and that causes you to want to change the environmental conditions? I know that was a very broad idea. I don't even know if it was a question, but do you have any thoughts on that? Where do you start? <laughs> I know, sorry. <laughs> that's, a, that's one in a million, you know? Yeah, it's, a, it's one of those things. And where, where did it all start to go wrong, you know? How come the human face is changing and how come the airway is getting smaller? And the problem with that is that you can bring that into the mind because say, for example, children or adults who have sleep disorder breathing, and it's been shown with kids, children who are mouth breathing during sleep, mouth breathing is a contributory factor to sleep disorder breathing. If these kids are snoring or stopping breathing during sleep, and if untreated at age five, these kids have a 40% increased risk of special education needs by age eight. Mm. And the reason being is because the brain is developing during the formative years and deep sleep is crucial for brain development. The whole craniofacial changes, of course, is going to be impacted. It's been impacted by the food that we're eating, the soft food. We're not developing the jaws in terms of eating hard food and chewing steak and things like that. It's almost that we're afraid to give our young kids tough steak, tough meat, mm. tough vegetables. We make it as soft as possible so it flows down their throat. Wow but we're not exercising the jaws in the meantime. There's little attention on tongue tie, there's societal pressure on the mother to go back to, to work. It's good for the tax man because you get a young couple up to their neck in debt and they have a mortgage. You have them pretty much in your hands because they have to work for the next 30 years to pay off that. And they have to work damn hard and contribute to the coffers for the next 30 years. So sometimes I feel there's a sinister motive in this, but I won't even go down that path. And, you know, there's so many different factors, trauma and stress and anxiety and air quality. All of this stuff changes breathing. It's not even recognized, Aaron. You know, if you were to talk with a medical doctor or most people in the healthcare professional, does it make any difference if you breathe through your nose or mouth? They'll say absolutely no difference whatsoever. Now, all I'm going to say on that is the mouth does absolutely zero functions in terms of breath. All you have to do is you don't need to have a PhD in anatomy to realize that the mouth does nothing. All you have to do is go to a mirror, open your mouth, look into your mouth and ask what part of the mouth is there to serve a purpose for the air coming into the lungs. There's no part of the mouth. The mouth is a hole and it's never should have been used for breathing. But I'm kind of on a rant now. You've really set me off, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> and 50% of the adult population are waking up at a dry mouth in the morning. And I was that kid, that teenager, that young adult waking up feeling lousy. And nobody says, Patrick, breathe through your nose. Why isn't the medical doctor saying it? Why isn't the dentist saying it? Now, there are some medical doctors saying it and there are some dentists and there are some orthodontists saying it. But it's not mainstream. There is a fundamental difference your mouth is simply not for breathing. It's all in the nose. So if you look then at the, the work of Dr. Kevin Boyd, who has also studied anthropology and is a pediatric dentist, his belief is that it all started at 
the about 11,000 years ago, when we switched to more mass commercialization or mass farming production of wheat, for example. So what do you do? What do we do now going forward? Well, it would be even great to start encouraging children to breathe through their nose, tongue resting in the roof of the mouth. It would be great if the dental profession would, when they are looking into the child's mouth, because let's face it, every child and adult, most of us are visiting the dentist every six months to a year. The dentist is in a unique position to look for the risk factors associated with poor development of the jaws. The dentist understands the anatomy of the face and airway, but yet the dentist is not highlighting these issues. And the reason being is because the domain of the airway is not with the dentist. The medical doctor owns the domain of the airway. That's unfortunate because neither is the medical doctor looking into the airway. Unless you have very pronounced sleep disorder breathing with symptoms that you're going to get it checked out and you're going to get a sleep study. So what does it mean? Well, it means that most people are falling between the cracks of medicine and dentistry. And it's time that these two industries got together and had a good chat with each other and put their big egos aside and start delving into the health and the airway and the importance of functional breathing. But I don't think it's going to happen because they're not going to make a whole lot of money out of it. Now, I've probably turned off every dentist and orthodontist and doctor that is listening to your podcast. I'm not talking about the individual workers because we have some tremendous people in that field. But I'm talking about the industry. I'm talking about the young doctor who comes out of medical school has no training in breathing. The young dentist who is coming out of dental school has no training in breathing or sleep, but they should have. I think that's the value of things like podcasts or the internet. You know, it's like the conjoining of different perspectives and different minds and different specialties. You know, it's like specialization is for ants, you know, or, you know, whoever, who, I don't know who said that exactly, but it's like, we're so darn specialized. And when you become so specialized, you start to have this tunnel vision of everything you see. For you, everything you see is, is probably some breathing issue. You know, if you would just breathe through your damn nose, you'd figure out your bunions on your feet, you know, because it's tied into your pot Well, I'm not going to go as far that, as that, but I'm saying, yeah. I'm saying it's a good place to start. Right. But then, but then, but this, but then that goes into the, you know, the deep front line, use like anatomy trains talk, which is its own specialization and perspective, you know, it gets into the, the diaphragmatic posture. And then that's in relation to your autonomic nervous system function if you're chronically maybe in a stressed state then that's gonna your diaphragm will have a like a mechanical translation of stress and that's gonna trickle into your pelvic floor and that's gonna trickle into your, literally the carriage of your whole body is interconnected with everything else you know so it's such a beautiful thing to be able to, to start conjoining all these different minds because i think most people really are they're walking up the same mountain you know through different pathways and the more that we can start to share ideas the more that we can start to see the congruences or the congruencies that we have among us as opposed to the differences so Within that, the mechanical structure of the face and the tongue and the relationship to the diaphragm, I think that in and of itself is a really interesting topic to dig into a little bit. Can you just, what are your, what are your thoughts on that when I say that? Where, is that? where does your mind go with that? Well, I suppose, what's the chicken or the egg? There's a lot of things that we don't have answers for, and possibly it may not, we may never have answers. You know, if we're talking about children and chronic mouth breathing, and a child, if they have, if they're persistently mouth breathing for a period of six months, it's termed mouth breathing syndrome. And people will argue, what has come first? Was it that the child was born with a high narrow palate, which they could be, with an infringed nasal cavity, with jaws that are set back? Was it the anatomical issues in the face which caused mouth breathing? Because the child 
felt they could get could not get enough air in through the in through the the nose or was it that the child might have had a stuffy nose and if the stuffy nose was persisting for a period of time the child starts to mouth breathe and it's the mouth breathing that causes the change to the face how long does the child have to mouth breathe before it's going to cause a change to the face at what age does nasal obstruction occur before it causes a change to the face there's many questions and there's no answers to this and that's the problem but the one thing is that any child who is presenting with mouth breathing syndrome again functional dentists are in a position to do something about it there's a dentist in agora hills in california dr william hang who would be a very good candidate to speak with i'm not sure how many decades he's he's working in orthodontics but there's one thing that he un- does understand he understands about the airway and any child or adult who comes into him and they are coming in with sleep disorder breathing the first thing that he wants to do is he wants to help develop the maxilla and develop the mandible and great create forward growth in the face to help open up the airway so he sees changes and he's seen changes over many decades across many patients and yeah you know it's i suppose it's at that point this is something that has been d- discussed and debated for decades and it's difficult to pinpoint it's just not so easy and the human body is much more complex and changing behaviors and you're dependent on patient compliance and it's not going to be for everybody and not everybody is going to get it but really we would love to see where to start and to start with awareness and i will go as follows i don't think we will ever deal with the mental health crisis of today unless we have deep sleep and sleep disorder breathing is addressed because as long as we have obstructive sleep apnea and severe snoring and insomnia and as long as the individual physiologically is in that hyper arousal as many people are today they are not going to bring a stillness to the mind and the mind is going to be more agitated and we also have to embrace or to what out there that that there should be a different understanding about what really breathing or functional breathing is it's not just about taking the full big breath with amplitude of the diaphragm it's not just about taking the deep breath that you hear bandied around all the time when researchers look at breathing they want to investigate breathing from a biochemical point of view from a biomechanical point of view and from a psychophysiological point of view so therefore any instructor who is teaching breathing exercises should also teach breathing exercises from those three dimensions from the biochemistry from the biomechanics and from a psychophysiological point of view because those three dimensions exist in breathing and what has happened over the years is that breathing is often taught according to tradition and i was guilty of this of course because i was trained in the buteco way and buteco focuses primarily on the biochemistry and when you're focusing on the biochemistry you tend to ignore everything outside of that including the biomechanics and resonance frequency breathing and it was only when we started working more in high performance and i started looking towards the oxygen advantage that i felt a freedom that i could look at breathing beyond the buteco method so i understand that tradition has probably held breathing back but look at the potential here and there is an enormous potential yeah so i love breaking it down into those those tiers the biochemical biomechanic and psychophysiological i think and it'd be great to go maybe we could go down each of those lanes and so in relation to the the alan watts you know you are your environment thing or the bruce lipton you know you're the entirety of the culture within the petri dish you want to change the cell change change the culture that it's that it exists within 
we can look at who we are from the lens of, okay, we are an environment. How can we change our environment to start to have better respiratory efficiency or, you know, downregulate our nervous system, you know, calm us the freak down, you know, or, or, you know, we can, we can pull in all these toggles to, to change the way that we think, the way we feel. Um, the other environment you could say, you could change, you could bring the lens back and say, okay, well, the environment of your, of your body, you know, so that would get into the, the biomechanical environment. So I'd be curious your perspective on what's like the baseline techniques, exercises to start to bring some organization to the biomechanical environment. Mewing, John Mew, is, has become a popular option. So I'd be curious your perspective on that. Maybe we could like break that down. I wonder if maybe you have your own spin on that. There's, there's myofunctional therapy is an option, which kind of, you know, they're all interrelated you know so i think that would be an interesting starting point like tangible information of like cool it's all connected now here's where we actually tangibly dig in and start to create change well if it applies to children and adults with sleep disorder breathing i think in terms of the anatomy of the airway you could bring together mewing and you could bring together myofunctional therapy and you could bring together breathing and good orthodontics and all of those things combined, you'll certainly be on the right track. When it comes to the normal individual that is aside from the, the anatomy of the airway, typically we look at breathing. We first measure their breath hold time, and it's, it seems to be very, very simple. But this was supported by a paper by Professor Kyle Kiesel looking at 51 individuals. He looked at their breathing from a biomechanical point of view and a psychophysiological point of view, and he concluded that the breath hold time and four questions, that if individuals had a breath hold time of over 25 seconds, they had an 89% chance that this functional breathing was not present. In other words, that they were likely to be breathing functionally. So when somebody comes into my door and I'm looking at their breathing, I do look at the respiratory rate. I look at the tidal volume. I look at the regularity of the breath. I look at whether they are breathing high or low mouth or nose, and I measure their breath hold time. And some people have dreadful breathing. And you talked about COVID at the very, very start. And we see individuals with a breath hold time of four seconds, with three seconds, five seconds. These people can hardly talk. The entire autonomic nervous system is taxed. And we use specific gentle breathing exercises, small breath holds, holding the breath for maybe two or three seconds breathing normally for 10, holding the breath for two or three seconds to help stimulate the vagus nerve. And with that group, we use humming, relaxation. Slow breathing can be tricky because they are already caught for breath. Diaphragmatic breathing, of course, is preferable to help with gas exchange taking place. So my point is that whoever is coming in the door, it's useful to have a toolbox of exercises and not just to focus on one dimension. So normally for a general person coming in, we measure their breath toll time and the measurement goes as follows. You take a normal breath in and out through your nose, you pinch your nose and hold your breath and you time it in seconds until you feel the first definite desire to breathe and then you let go and your breathing should be fairly normal at the end. The objective is that your breath toll time is a minimum of 25 seconds and a goal of 40 seconds. Many people will be surprised when they realize that their breath toll time comfortable breath toll time might be 10 or 15 seconds. And then I approached her breathing from a biochemical point of view, because I suppose by when you are targeting breathing from a biochemical point of view, you can do it two ways. One is you can have the individual deliberately breathe less air to create air hunger, which signifies the carbon dioxide is increased in the blood. And by exposing the individual to the air hunger, to the increased carbon dioxide, 
you have to reduce the chemosensitivity to carbon dioxide. I suppose an easier way to think of it this way is that the primary stimulus to breathe is carbon dioxide in the blood. And carbon dioxide is coming from the metabolism into the blood. But if you are overly sensitive to the accumulation of carbon dioxide, your breathing is harder and faster. So the ironic thing here is that people with poor breathing often feel that they are not getting enough air. They feel air hunger. They run out of air. They have disproportionate breathlessness during physical exercise. So we use breathing exercises to reduce the chemosensitivity to carbon dioxide. And then we focus on the biomechanics, breathing low with lateral expansion and contraction of the diaphragm. And the realization that the diaphragm breathing muscle is not just for respiration, but connected with the emotions as you spoke about, and also providing stabilization of the spine, functional breathing and functional movement go together. And then we bring in resonance frequency breathing, slowing down the respiratory rate to between 4.5 and 6.5 breaths per minute. Now, aside from that, it's important to look at functional breathing patterns, that it's not just how you breathe while you're inside the studio. But how do you breathe when you go for a walk? How do you breathe if you're getting into that tricky situation that I spoke about earlier on? How do you breathe when you're asleep? That breathing, the acronym typically that I use is light, slow and deep. And an easy way to remember that is LSD. So breathing light is about the biochemistry. Breathing slow is helping to achieve a balance in the autonomic nervous system. And breathing deep is about good amplitude of the diaphragm. Now, the other aspect then is... Is there a place then for stressor breathing exercises that you could be hyperventilating and deliberately hyperventilating to stress the body and mind and also doing long breath holds? And we do that too. There is a place for that for some people and not for everybody. So when it comes as well as full circle, you were talking about mewing. And I know Dr. Mike Mew and Dr. John Mew, and they've done tremendous work over the years. And their whole concept is based on nose breathing with correct tongue resting posture. And when they are using orthodontic appliances, the premise of the orthodontic appliance is simply to help ensure nasal breathing with good tongue resting posture. And that in turn will guide the growth of the face. Myofunctional therapy is a wonderful therapy because it's helping to change bad habits that we've developed, kids and adults, tongue trusting, tongue sucking. Uh, poor resting tongue posture, etc. And also to help improve the tone, the muscle function and tone in, in the airway, for example. Orthodontics, it would be wonderful for orthodontists to make a realization that it's not just about straightening teeth, that the airway is much more important. And when a child is presenting with malocclusion, we should be asking the question, what is the real problem here? Is it that the teeth are too big or is it that the jaws are too small, that the jaws have not developed the way that nature has intended them to develop? And as a result, because the jaws are too small, there's not enough room for the teeth. But the real question here is, when the jaws are too small, is there a sufficient room for the tongue in the mouth? And the answer is no. And if there's not enough room for the tongue in the mouth, where is the tongue going to go? Back but down. into the airway, yeah. into the throat. And that in turn is going to increase the risk of sleep disorder breathing. So yeah, there's many kind of spokes to the wheel and bringing it together is a, I think it's a very, very important one, but still the, there's a lack of awareness out there, you know? So that's where it's, it needs to, it needs to start. I'm gonna take a moment and share a hack of sorts that I have been utilizing for the last year to boost the quality of my hydration. That is Elements Hydration Packs. They contain sodium, 
potassium and magnesium, a perfect blend and balance of all three. So it is a legit electrolyte supplement that is supportive for most of the bioelectric functions in your entire nervous system. So really excellent stuff. I love the flavors. It's great for actually allowing your hydration to be able to permeate your cells. You need electrolytes for your body to run. This is a great source to make it happen. You can try it absolutely free by going to drinklmnt.com slash align and they will send you out a sample pack. All you gotta do is pay five bucks for shipping and they'll send you out a free sample pack by going to drinklmnt.com slash alive. I also want to take a moment and discuss something that's been immensely helpful for improving the quality of my sleep. That is magnesium. I've been taking magnesium from bio-optimizers for the last, I think probably the last year and a half, two years, and it's been an absolute game changer for my sleep. Their Mag Breakthrough is excellent because it is a full spectrum magnesium supplement. So it contains all seven different forms of magnesium. The reason magnesium matters in the first place is because it is largely deficient in modern day soil. So most of us cruising around the world are deficient in this invaluable mineral. So you can get yourself a discount on Mag Breakthrough by going to magbreakthrough.com forward slash align podcast. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com forward slash align podcast. Get yourself a discount. And if you do not love this stuff, it does not improve your sleep, does not help with muscle soreness and recovery, then get your money back. They have a 30-day money back guarantee. So try it out. If it doesn't make your life better, send it back. No worries. Magbreakthrough.com forward slash align podcast. Can you break down what any exercises specifically, like what is mewing or if there's any myofunctional therapy based exercises or just your own spin on specific techniques that people could maybe do right now as they're listening? Yeah, there's a few different exercises in terms of now, I have to say, like, I'm not qualified to give exercise in my functional therapy, but I'll give you a flavor of what it's about. One exercise, for example, would be sticking out your tongue with tension and trying to touch your chin. So you're sticking out your tongue. And if you are, for example, to put your hand on your throat, just gently put your hand on your throat and you're sticking out your tongue with tension and try and touch your chin. And now <laughs> stick out your tongue and try and touch your nose. And now stick out your tongue with tension and move it gently side to side 10 times. And now clean your teeth by rubbing your tongue along the outside of your teeth with your mouth closed 10 times in one direction and 10 times in the other direction. And then the last one would be sticking out your tongue and then dragging your tongue along the roof of the mouth until right until you feel the soft palate and then pulling the back of the throat inwards. So now when you have your hand on the area of your throat, you'll start to feel different muscles that are being targeted with those specific exercises. That there's 20 muscles in the throat and it's a subset of these muscles that are designed to help keep the airway open during sleep. We don't exercise these muscles. Like if you think of a human being, you're walking during the day, you're lifting stuff, you're exercising most of your muscles, but you're not exercising the muscles which are designed to help maintain an open airway. And those muscles, it's important that they have function. And the other question then is correct tongue resting posture, that the lips are together with the tongue resting in the roof of the mouth. And to determine where the tongue should be, 
you can make a popping sound as follows. So in order to make that sound, you had to put your tongue against the palate to create the suction. And that's what your tongue should be. So when you wake up in the morning, your lips should be together, breathing in and out through the nose and the tongue resting against the palate. I love that so much. Within that, I think it's something where people can be led astray with certain really like site-specific exercises like that, that they might read an article in the New York Times or some you know blog or something. And it's very specific to tongue strengthening or tongue postural patterns, but it's missing the, the organization of the rest of the body. So within that, would there be some other guidance in relation to neck carriage or spinal carriage or orientation to the hips and pelvis or orientation to the feet? Would that be something to be thinking about as we're starting to integrate our tongue posture? Yeah, and it's probably an area that I haven't. And again, this is, you know, between the biomechanics and breathing that posture is inextricably linked. And we don't have all that much information on it. Physical therapists and manual therapists, of course, they can delve a lot deeper into this. Whereas really what we want to do is we want to lengthen the distance between the sternum and navel, widen the distance between the ribs. We want to imagine that there's a piece of string just gently guiding us upwards. And we want to be breathing that with functional movement of the diaphragm, that as we breathe in, that the lower ribs are being pushed outwards. So we have lateral expansion and contraction of the lower ribs yeah. as a gauge of the generation of intra-abdominal pressure. And this is where it's so deep. Where, you know, in terms of the information, myofunctional therapy has so much, many more exercises. The few that I gave you were just a couple that I, that I remembered myself um, in terms of helping to improve form and function. That's cool. I feel like almost like a high after doing that. And it's interesting as you're, as we're starting to engage those muscles and something I, I would, I would add, it, it would behoove people to pay attention to the carriage of the rest of their bodies as they're doing those exercises. So starting off and get a good, if you're sitting down, probably sitting down, you could maybe tilt a little bit towards the front edge of those sit bones. So your pelvis is just slightly tilted forward to help stabilize the lower back and the sacrum. And then that allows the potential for your your ribs, your you know, your diaphragm, that umbrella that's your diaphragm to be able to actually sit in a in a in a balanced position. Whereas if you're kind of like hunched over or you're exacerbating some forward head posture and you're sticking your tongue out, you could actually be just be exacerbating issues. So first, yeah. if any type of training, if you're weightlifting or whatever it may be, you know, you you might hear like prioritizing the axial skeleton. So you're prioritizing what's happening in that spine. And then from there, then we start integrating in the appendicular or the, or the parts. But if you have a disoriented main line, main channel, i.e. Your, your spine, then you'll be practicing dysfunction. So now you're going to be more, maybe have better proprioception or more, you know, better engagement at those specific muscles, but it's still not tied back to anything. So that would be something to, I think, to, to add. I had, a, I had a thought that I was, oh, yeah, with feeling high after that. As we're doing that, we're engaging all these cranial nerves. You know, so all these, yes. all these facial muscles in and around our face and our eyes and our neck. Those are like, that's the way that we communicate with each other. That's, we're literally feeding mm -hmm. information back and forth to each other based off of the, 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 our facial expressions are an indication of our autonomic state. And so when we're starting to activate and engage those and send some electricity through these previously inhibited spaces, you're literally starting to 
like enliven your nervous system. You're, you're starting to like, you're, you're like turning on. And so that was, it's, it's a weird thing after that. I literally felt like I drank, it was like a clean cup of coffee. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. Holy shit. Uh, so, all right. So that's, that's cool. Thank you. That's a really beautiful biomechanical lens into like techniques of what people can do. And then I think you're, you're touching on the biochemical just in relation. Would there be a broader conversation of the biochemical outside of volume and the, the rate in which we're breathing? Is there other biochemical conversations there or techniques or anything? Well, I suppose most people think about breathing. If, if they wanted to alter one, they'll probably alter the respiratory rate. Right. But that's not taking into consideration the volume of air that's drawn into the lungs in one breath. The best way to think about breathing is to think about how you eat food. And so, for example, the number of spoonfuls, if somebody puts a dinner, a plate of food in front of you and they give you a spoon and you are going to eat all of the food off the plate, how many spoonfuls of food do you put into your mouth multiplied by the size of the spoon will tell you the volume of food that you've eaten off the plate? A dietitian is not going to focus in on the, the number of spoonfuls, and nor is the dietitian going to focus in on the size of the spoon. The dietitian is going to focus in on the volume of food that's been eaten off the plate. But when it comes to breathing, the focus has been on the respiratory rate, and that's akin to the number of spoonfuls. And the focus has not been on the tidal volume, which would be the size of the spoon, and the focus has not been on minute ventilation. So when we're working with people, we can change minute ventilation is what we want to do from a biochemical point of view. And we have people very take a very, very soft, gentle breath coming into your nose and a really slow and prolonged and relaxed exhalation. And the objective is that you're, you're, it's almost that your breathing in is imperceptible. Can you breathe in through the nostrils and can the airflow be so smooth that the fine hairs within the nostrils do not move? So it's almost that your breath is so subtle that there is no turbulence in the nasal airway. And at the top of the breath, you have a total feeling of relaxation and you have a relaxed and a gentle breath out. And the objective is to take less air into your body. So the respiratory rate is reduced, but the tidal volume, you're also controlling the tidal volume. You're taking less air into the body so that you feel air hunger. And when you do that, pay attention to the saliva in the mouth. Within about three to four minutes, it's normal that you will have increased watery saliva in the mouth. How could that be so? Because when you breathe less air, carbon dioxide increases in the blood and carbon dioxide stimulates the vagus nerve, as well as the prolonged and relaxed exhalation, which is stimulating the vagus nerve. And as the vagus nerve is stimulated, it secretes the neurotransmitter acetylcholine, which causes a slowing of the heart. And the brain interprets then that the body is safe and the body is prepared for the digestion of food. So whenever we have increased watery saliva in the mouth, the body is prepared for the digestion of food. We can downregulate by simply breathing less air. And that flies in the face of what has been spoken about and taught for decades. There are very few instructors in breathing teaching people to breathe less for periods of time during the day. But it's very important because... The ironic thing about breathing less air, we have to bear in mind that some people have a habit of overbreathing, just as people can overeat. Now, if somebody is overeating, what is the dietitian going to say to that individual? Well, they're going to say to them, listen, I need you to eat less food. Well, for somebody who's overbreathing, that if the respiratory rate is too fast and the tidal volume is too hard, that person is breathing too much air. The objective is to breathe less air. And for people to practice it, that would be targeting the biochemistry. And the objective is 
feel air hunger during the exercise, and also pay attention to the temperature of your fingers. 20 years ago plus, I was lucky enough to come across this by accident. I always had cold hands and cold feet. I never realized that my mouth breathing and fast and shallow breathing was putting me into hyperarousal, but it was also causing my blood circulation to be impeded and oxygen delivery to be reduced. And it's ironic that when you breathe less air, your blood circulation improves. And also, because of the increased carbon dioxide, hemoglobin releases oxygen more readily to the tissues. So that's just a biochemical point of view. And then there are other strategies then from the biomechanics and resonance frequency breathing. This is so cool. It's so interesting to see the, the consistencies among like anything that we do. So as we're eating, ideally, it probably wouldn't be that wise to just slam like a hoagie down your throat, you know, like a snake eating a rat. Like that's not the way we work. I don't know how snakes breathe. That would be an interesting thing, actually. I wonder if there is, they probably breathe pretty slow. I don't know. Do you know how snakes breathe? I think you've mentioned this before. I don't actually know, but typically there's a very interesting thing about breathing respiratory rate and longevity. Animals who breathe the slowest live the longest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so it's interesting. There's like there's these golden threads through everything, and I think sometimes we get mired by all this technical information. Like, okay, I gotta get the okay, get at this angle, and then I could, and it's like there's just there's so many details we get lost in the minutiae. We just don't do anything. But that's such a beautiful, consistent thread of like, okay, like slow down the way that you eat. You know, allow your body to digest and absorb that food, and it will become it better at digesting. You know, slow down the rate in which you're taking in air and your body becomes better at, at breathing. And then I think it's the, where it gets interesting with like the, the mind relationship is, you know, you've, you've probably heard you know, you're better off having like one or two or three books and like really important books and just reading the shit out of those guys, you know, and really getting every last little bit, you know, squeezing the pulp out of that book, then just kind of like blazing through 6,000 books. So you can kind of feed your ego and tell people you read a lot of books. And I, I wonder if there's a connection there, the way that we breathe, the way that we process information. If you breathe in kind of this rapacious, you know, fight flight type manner, does that impact the way that we learn? I know that it does, but I wonder if there's like a consistent thread of how you do anything is how you do everything. Well, it's like this. If you want to learn something, you need to be able to place your attention on what you're, you're hoping to learn. Yeah. There's no point in looking at a page of a book with your attention stuck in your head and by focusing on your breathing, but also improving blood flow and oxygen delivery to the brain and bringing a balance in the autonomic nervous system, you're better able to hold your attention on the text or whatever the material is you want to learn. There was a recent study that came out, I think in 2018, and if you put it into Google or PubMed, put in nasal breathing, memory and attention, and you will find that individuals while breathing through the nose had improved memory and attention. And there was another recent study that was interesting in terms of business executives who were required to perform business tasks, that when they breathed slowly for 90 seconds, even just 90 seconds, it improved decision-making skills. So why is it that special weapons and tactics and Navy SEALs, if they are going into an operation, they do box breathing to bring a balance in the autonomic nervous system? If we're feeling stressed, and we have that difficult situation, should we be breathing out fast? Because if we are breathing out fast, what is the brain interpreting? The brain is interpreting that there's a threat out there. And the whole purpose or function of the brain is to protect the body and to get the body out of there. And if the brain wants to get the body out of there, you're not going to have composed and collected thinking. So we can use the breath primordial by simply when we do feel tense 
and her breathing is getting a little bit faster, bring her attention out of the mind and onto the exhalation. And instead of breathing a fast exhalation, have a very soft and a slow and prolonged exhalation. And even if you just do this for 90 seconds, you will help to change states. When we change states, and this flow state which is so coveted, how do we get into this state of flow, into the zone, into present moment awareness? How do we put the critical thinking mind aside and to allow the real you, the real focus come out? You know, in terms of that, it's not just about doing mindfulness because I often feel that when somebody has a genetic predisposition towards anxiety or if they've had trauma, if they've had panic disorder, we need to change their physiology. And if you can improve their sleep quality and change their physiology and then bring in breath aware, body aware, mind aware, this way we can achieve self-actualization. So the hierarchy of needs for the modern individual in the Western world, we're fortunate enough that most of us have food, clothing and shelter. What we really need is deep sleep. What we really need is functional breathing patterns and awareness. And that is the path to improving concentration, focus and attention span. And I think there's no other time in history that attention span and concentration has been impacted. And especially with modern technology, that even as I speak here, my phone was ringing. There's alerts coming in. There's text messaging. There's every angle you are being, you know, there's information coming in from all angles. And we are training to be distracted all day long. And yet we think that we are able to hold our attention on when we want to do it. It's not going to happen. Yeah. We need to, to bring focus into our everyday lives and holding your attention on one thing. You could say it's so simple. Stop thinking and clear external distractions. And that's the solution. But it starts now. It starts when things are going well. And when you start bringing this into your way of life, when things are going well, then when we do get into the tricky situation, we immediately and intuitively can bring our attention onto the breathing, that we have that resource to change states. And I have to say, I've been doing this for my own personal journey for 20 plus years. It has been amazing. And I would say it has helped me more than a university degree that I had to work so hard to achieve for because of poor concentration. You are more intuitive. You are more creative. Life is softer. And it's amazing how life can, and I'm probably talking a little bit new agey now, but when we don't sabotage our own potential and the mind can sabotage our potential, when we get the mind out of the way, things can move a lot effortlessly. Yeah. The, uh, I was looking up before this, uh, Chinese medicine, they call it the, the microcosmic orbit. You're familiar with that? It's like connecting the front channel. No. Just connecting the front channel and the back channel. I think it's the, the governor vessel and I forget what the other one's called right now. But essentially it's like primary meridian lines. I'm, I'm butchering this. I by no means am, am like a Chinese medicine expert. But in connecting that front channel and the back channel, I'm actually looking it up right now. They would deem that to be one, the primary, a primary place of disconnect would be the, the tongue going to the roof of the mouth. I'm surprised you haven't heard this. This is so exciting for you. This is going to be right in your wheelhouse. This will be added to your toolkit of explanation of stuff. Because people have been saying this forever and ever. I mean, people can look up microcosmic orbit right now. And through creating that continuous connection all the way up the back of the spine, back of the head, down to the front, 
and then roof of the mouth, the opening of the tongue to the roof of the mouth, that's the opening of the circuit. And if you have any type of misarrangement along those channels, which then this gets into, again, more like physical therapy, Western anatomic speak, where you're taking the spine out of neutrality, you could say, or maybe a person's flaring their ribs. Within that, you're going to have imbalance in the spine. You're going to be dumping the potential for power. And so when you can connect that orientation or stabilize that orientation of the torso, the axial skeleton, and then connect that, the circuit there, the tongue up to the roof of the mouth, in Chinese medicine, they would call that, that's like completing the microcosmic orbit. And they would call that like a, like a key to longevity. And I think there is even something like, it's like, it would give you access to like the sorcerer's stone or some other stuff, which is like, again, okay, just like gives you superpowers, which superpowers, I think, i.e. translates to like, you know, in for something that someone listening to this might be interesting could be what you're describing you know concentration or maybe you want to pick up a heavy kettlebell you know and you're going to do all those same things you're not going to have your tongue sitting in the bottom of your mouth you're going to actually press that tongue up to the roof mm. of the mouth and engaging that whole channel that whole line have you thought about that or, or or looked into that at all the the usage of tongue for for strength not only as a retainer retainer to prevent like malocclusion but also actually as a tool to to, to be stronger there's a couple of interesting points in that. I was at a conference in Bar- it was no, it was in Rome actually, going back a few years ago, and there was an Italian doctor who was who was making a presentation, and he showed a video of a patient walking down the the hospital corridor, and the patient had a very poor gait. The doctor stopped the patient, asked the patient to place the tongue resting in the roof of the mouth, yeah. lips together, breathing in and out through the nose, and the recording continued. The patient started walking again. And their gait had Im- immediately improved. And only for I was in the presence of mainly medical doctors, I would have thought this is absolutely incredible. You know, this is unbelievable kind of stuff. But that kind of gave me an insight into the potential because we don't really know the full potential of what the tongue is, the purpose of it. Yeah. Now, there's another study that was along similar lines. What they did was they blindfolded individuals and they put them on an uneven surface. And the individuals with the tongue against the palate had better balance. So it almost points to what you said, that connection, yep. that it's all interlinked. We have the diaphragm, breathing muscle, but we also have the diaphragm of the mouth. We have the diaphragm of the head. And it's almost that they are separate floors, but one house. Another thing that you'd be interested in if you haven't looked into it already would be Tom Myers, Thomas Myers. I've had him on the podcast a bunch of times. And anatomy trains this thing and he would call and this has been talked about before tom as well but it would call that the the deep front line essentially drawing out these fascial connections from the tongue down through the throat down through the pericardium and the heart into the diaphragm into the psoas into the adductors all the way down to the toes eventually and so a person that has a really wandery disoriented gait you do this in pilates class you do this in yoga class you might put a block in between your knees and kind of whoop, activate that 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 midline, what you're doing is you're starting to bring the body back to center. So you could take that as a metaphor, you know, and say, well, like what is center, you know, or you could take that as, as, you know, Western anatomical speak of really activating those fascial chains. It's just so cool. You know, when we mm, looking at all the, all the consistencies of, of connections, I appreciate you so much. You're one of my favorite thinkers. And I just, I'm, I'm so grateful that you exist in the world. Where should people go i mean you have your most recent book you have so much amazing information like i can't i implore people to go deeper into your work thanks aaron yeah the two books come out this year one is called atomic focus which is a simple enough book but it contains a lot of practical tools specifically about focus concentration attention span 
And the other then is The Breathing Cure, which has been published in the United States and internationally. And that's a fairly deep dive now. That's a hundred words. It does contain quite a bit of science. So, but the exercises are explained in, you know, simple terms. So there should be something in it for everybody as well. Are you fairly active on social media? If people have any specific questions for you? Yeah, we're on social media. One channel is Oxygen Advantage. And the other channel is Buteco Clinic. So we're on Instagram, YouTube. There's a lot of free information, actually. Right. Like anybody recovering from long COVID, we put all of the exercises up there free on YouTube. Children, yeah. all of the exercises are free on YouTube. And there's plenty of exercises that are there for people if they have a stuffy nose or if they want to improve blood circulation. They have different exercises. You'll find them there. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for making time to do this. And uh, I look forward to our next conversation hopefully it's sooner than later thank you all for tuning in over now i hope you guys devoured that conversation if you did you can tag me at align podcast you can also tag patrick over at buteco clinic if you guys are interested in going deeper into these conversations and having a simplistic guide i am releasing the align method revised edition january 11th it is up for pre-sale now on amazon so you can jump over there i have the nuts and bolts breakdown of what Patrick has shared in his work. He helped with revising and editing my chapter, who is chapter seven, I think, nose breathing in there. And we get into all the details that you need without a lot of fluff. So just what you need and uh, no more, no less. And it's a simplified version of a lot of what's out there. So you can find that on Amazon, be likely place. Just look up Align Method and you can get that for you. It'll be arriving just after the new year. Hope this conversation was immensely supportive for your life. Hope you're having an exceptional day and look forward to whispering into your ear canals next week.